Welcome to New Covenant Church. You are listening to this week's message with Senior Pastor Chris Valdez. Well, if you have your Bible with you this morning, uh, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 11, and we'll get there in just a moment. In this series, we've been talking about the whole armor of God and how every piece of the armor of God is critical uh, for our spiritual protection. And we started out with the belt of truth. And then last week, we looked at the breastplate of righteousness. And this morning, we're going to look at the shoes that we fit our feet with the readiness of the gospel of peace. And I think sometimes we overlook this part of the armor of God, kind of like the belt. We just don't think it's as necessary as the other parts. And some of you might be really interested in shoes. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Some people like to coordinate. They've got, you know, maybe you've got 20 or 50 or 100 pairs of shoes. Um, that, and you think about shoes a lot. Most of us, I would say, don't think about shoes too much. They're just a, a utility. You know, we put them on our feet and we go on. And I, I think that that really that should be the function of shoes, that once we put them on, we're not thinking about them anymore. And we're going to talk about that. But they're very important. If you were to walk around for a day with no shoes on, you would think about shoes a lot, <laughs> multiple times a day. Every, any hard surface, any rough spot you got on, you'd be wishing you had shoes on. But in the Bible, when we come to this, I think we think, oh, well, shoes are, you know, let's get on to something more exciting like the sword of the spirit or the shield of faith. You know what? We just don't understand what they're for or what it's there for. So we just kind of move on. But the shoes are very important. And I, I want to assure you that every part of the armor is critical. And I really uh, believe that there has never been a greater need for the shoes of the gospel of peace in my whole lifetime than there is today. We're in, in a point, and I, uh, what Brandon shared earlier, I was like, well, the message has been preached. We're good uh, right before we went into worship. Um, but it's so true. We need this peace. But before we get into the purpose and function of these shoes, let's reread our primary text for this series again, starting in verse 11 of Ephesians 6. Put on clothes yourself with the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand successfully against the schemes of the devil for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood but against the rulers against the authorities against the cosmic powers over this present darkness against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places therefore take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to successfully withstand the evil day and having done all stand firm Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Shoes, like the belt, may seem an unnecessary part of our spiritual armor at first. Shoes are, like I said, often an overlooked portion of our wardrobe when they provide their necessary function we can really go throughout our day without even thinking about them 
The only time we might think about them is when we put them on in the morning. And that's the way it should be when they're providing their function. Some might say they're more of a convenience than a necessity. Like I said, try walking around one day without them and tell me whether they're a convenience or a necessity. Even people who might uh, live in countries where they don't use shoes and walk around barefoot all the time and they may have thick calluses on the bottom of their feet. There is a level of heat. There is a level of cold. There is a level of, of rough terrain that no callus could ever protect you from. And so even in those circumstances, our bare feet are not uh, prepared for battle. They're not prepared to take us onto a battlefield. And as we discuss the shoes of the gospel of peace, we are going to see why they matter, why they are a necessity, and why we need to make sure we are equipped with them before we find ourselves in the middle of the battlefield. So what purpose do shoes serve? The first thing we've already been talking about, they cover and protect our feet. A shoeless soldier would run into a lot of trouble in the heat of battle. When you think about being on the battlefield, your, your focus, your whole focus needs to be on the interaction that you're having with your enemy. If you're worried about your feet and where you're going to step and what's on the ground, you're going to fall in battle because your focus was on your feet, not on the battle. We can't think of anything else if our feet are experiencing pain or discomfort. That's going to be what's on our mind. The shoes of the gospel of peace allow us to step freely and without fear while we turn our full attention to God and the battle that's at hand. We need our feet protected so they can do what they are meant to do. And what are our feet for? What is the function of our feet? To take us places. They physically move us from place to place, wherever we want to go. The Word tells us that we need to cover our feet, the part of our body that takes us. And here we're talking about in the spiritual realm. So in the spiritual realm, for us to move around, our spiritual feet have to be clothed with the gospel of peace. The good news, that word gospel just means good news. So peace will take us where we need to go. And this is an amazing concept. It's really counterintuitive when you think about it. We're talking about the armor of God. What's armor for? To go into battle, to fight a war. But our feet that are going to take us everywhere we need to go. And when we put on fully clothed ourselves, ready for battle, our feet are clothed with peace. It doesn't make sense. You know, you think we'd be putting on the, the shoes of wrath <laughs> or the shoes of death or the shoes of anger. But God says, put on the shoes of the readiness of the gospel of peace. We need to remind ourselves that this passage starts out very clearly stating that the purpose for the whole armor of God is that so we can do battle in a spiritual realm, not the physical one that we find ourselves in. And as Brandon said, take so much of our focus. 
We worry about today or tomorrow or yesterday. Everything in the physical gets our attention on it when our attention is supposed to be on God. And this word says if we will put on the gospel of peace on our shoes, we won't have to worry where we're stepping. We won't have to worry what's around us. And we'll be able to put our eyes on our heavenly father where they're supposed to be. So we clothe ourselves with this armor, with these offensive and defensive pieces of armor, and we're told to put on the gospel, the good news of peace. Why would we put on armor to go in peace? To answer this question, we have to answer this one, which is what is the gospel of peace? What's the good news of peace? Some of you who know your Bible really well may be thinking, You know, I've heard that before, the good news of the kingdom, the good news of this, the good news of that. And so you might ask yourself, is there more than one gospel? And the the quick answer to that is no. But we'll take a quick look at a few scriptures and show you uh, what I'm talking about. In Matthew chapter 4, 23, and all these will be up on the screen, it says, And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogue, preaching the gospel, preaching the good news of the kingdom. And healing all kinds of sicknesses and all kinds of diseases among the people. Mark 1.1, the beginning of the gospel. The beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Mark 1.14, now after John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee preaching the gospel, the good news of the kingdom of God. Acts 20.24, but none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself, so that I may finish my race with joy in the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel, the good news of the grace of God. Romans 10.15, and how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel the good news of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. The gospel of the kingdom, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the gospel of the kingdom of God, the gospel of the grace of God, and the gospel of peace. These are just some of the descriptions attached to the word gospel, to the word good news in the New Testament. And remember, it it just means good news, and these are all good news. The first time this word is used in the New Testament, it summarizes the rest, the gospel, the good news of the kingdom. The good news of the kingdom includes the good news about Jesus Christ, the King, His grace and His plan for our salvation for all mankind. This good news gives us peace now and will bring peace to the whole world That's our message. That is the message of the body of Christ. The good news that we have to share with others. Our loving fathers preparing us for a future beyond imagination and description. Ephesians is saying we travel, we carry ourselves, we protect our feet and carry the good news to the world in peace. Let's look at a few verses that illustrate this. In Romans 10, verse 14 through 15, we read this a moment ago, but we're going to go up a verse. It says, How then shall they call on Him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in Him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, 
How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. I love that description. How beautiful are the feet covered with the gospel of peace. If we put on the whole armor of God and we put on the shoes of the readiness of the gospel of peace, our feet are going to be beautiful. How often do we see in in the world around us that things are being done and said and none of it looks very beautiful? You know, what does our encounter with other people look like? Are we going with the gospel of peace and walking in the spirit, not in the flesh? God's church is sent to announce the good news of God's kingdom, which will spread his way of peace around the whole world. Having our shoes of peace on, we're ready to move to spread this good news to others. Romans 3.17 says, And the way of peace they have not known. In spite of all human attempts throughout all of history, To make peace. We don't have to look any further than the daily news to see that the world does not know anything about the road to peace. 1 John 2.6 says, He who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk just as he walked. Following the example of Jesus Christ. How beautiful were his feet clothed in peace. As in all things, Jesus Christ is our ultimate example. There's a a proverb, and I like, I don't know who said it first, but uh, I've heard a preacher say a proverb is just a proverb. (laughs) That's what the proverbs are, it's a bunch of proverbs. And they're not 100% true. They're not like the laws of gravity that 100% of the time in every circumstance it's going to work out exactly like it said. It's, it's a wise saying. It's a proverb. Uh, more often than not, it will uh, be true. But one proverb, and this won't be on your screen, but Proverbs 50, 15 verse 1 says, A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Many, many times that will be true, but we would all be aware of circumstances and wouldn't have to look too far to find someone who gave a soft answer and was maybe met with a slap in the face or arrested or beaten. And Jesus Christ is one of those examples. He gave a soft answer and he was bitten, beaten. He was spit upon and he was crucified. So in that circumstance, it didn't turn away wrath. It didn't change anger. But the heart of that is our heart and the way we go into battle is supposed to be clothed with shoes of peace. And Jesus gave us that example. Galatians five sixteen through 17 says, Walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desire of the flesh are against the Spirit and the desire of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. And this, this wasn't in there either because this came last night. So I didn't have time to redo the PowerPoint. But what, what I felt like God was saying is, is walking in the Spirit... Versus the flesh is like walking clothed in armor. The armor of God versus not. Jesus walked his entire life 
fully clothed in the armor of God. Jesus walked his entire life fully walking in the Holy Spirit and not in the flesh. So we'll clothe ourselves with this armor, with every piece of it, including the shoes of peace. We can walk in the Spirit and not the flesh. But every part of it is of God. He gives us salvation. It's His grace. It's His mercy. It's His armor. It's His Spirit. It's His living water. It's His bread of life. It's everything is His. The victory is His that He's already won. We don't do anything but receive. But if we'll receive it all and walk with Him, we can walk in peace and victory in every single situation. But what we have to remember is our victory may not look like victory I've said it before and I'll say it again this morning. The greatest victory ever won looked like defeat. Jesus Christ going to the cross. In the physical realm, it looked like all was lost. But in the spiritual realm, the final victory for all time was won. And nothing could ever take that away. It was done. When Jesus said, it is finished, everything was finished. There's nothing left to accomplish. It's done. The victory's been won. He's seated on the throne. Heaven's not shaking right now. But we look around at the physical world and we put our eyes on those things and we forget that we can clothe ourselves with the whole armor of God which nothing in this realm can penetrate and nothing in the spiritual realm can penetrate. But we take our eyes off the king and put it on those circumstances and we fear and we fret and we look at all these things. And you can look around right now and think it looks like defeat. But that's impossible. It's impossible because the victory's already been won. We just have to trust in him and walk in the spirit versus the flesh. But the thing that I want to make very clear is when we're walking with fully clothed in the armor of God, walking by the Spirit and not in the flesh, there's going to be days that look like defeat. We're going to give a soft answer and we're going to receive wrath. But if we're hearing the voice of God and being obedient to that, there is a victory being won. Whether it looks like it or not, there's a victory being won in the spiritual realm because we don't battle against flesh and blood. We're not battling in this realm. We're battling in the spiritual realm. And what may look like the biggest defeat of your life may be the biggest victory. But the only way that we're going to see it is if we're looking to God and keeping our focus on Him and knowing that we're obediently walking by the Spirit and not the flesh, fully clothed, With his armor. Our spiritual shoes help us stand firm. In John 14 verse 27, Jesus said, Peace I leave you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let your heart not be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. The shoes of a Roman soldier were often uh, had nails or spikes in the bottom of them to give them grip and so they could stand uh, in battle and not lose their ground. And I love how Ephesians words it that uh, we're to stand, stand firm. When you've done all the stand, stand, hold your ground in these shoes of peace. 
When we have the shoes of peace on our feet, we have nothing to fear, nothing to be afraid of. We can walk in peace in the middle of a storm, in the middle of what looks like defeat around us. We can have peace. The same way that physical shoes allow us to walk on dangerous and painful terrain without fear, the preparation of the gospel, the good news of peace, covers and protects our spiritual feet and allows us to face otherwise dangerous and painful spiritual situations throughout our life without fear. They do, when they're doing what they're supposed to do, we don't even have to think about them. Isaiah 2, verse 2 through 4 says, Now it will come to pass that in the last days the mountain of the house of the Lord will be firmly established as the highest of the mountains and will be exalted high above the hills. And all the nations will stream to it. And many people shall come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house, to the temple of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways and that we may walk in his paths. For the law will go out from Zion and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. And he will judge between the nations and will mediate disputes for many peoples. And they will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not lift up sword against nation, and never again will they learn war. Doesn't that paint a beautiful picture? Can you even imagine when Jesus Christ rules, nations will never again learn war? Because the whole earth will be covered in the good news of peace. Isaiah 9, 6 through 7 says, For unto us a child is born. Remember, this was prophesied hundreds and hundreds of years before Jesus was to come. Unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. There will never be an end to the increasing of the peace of Jesus Christ upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from the time, this time forward, even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. The Bible makes it very clear that when God's kingdom is established and the entire world begins to live God's way faithfully, that the resulting peace is going to be universal. And there will be no more war or fear, only this worldwide peace that comes from God's way of life. Worldwide peace is not possible until Jesus Christ is reigning himself. But in the meantime, we can be clothed with peace. And have peace in any and all circumstances because He brings that peace into our life, into our spirit. And we can take the good news of that peace to everyone that we know. That's what we're called to do. Romans 5.1 says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have the peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have peace with God through Jesus Christ. And if we have His peace, we can share it with others. It's like everything else. Unless we get it from Him, we can't give it away. We can love others with His love. We can share peace with others if we have His peace. It all has to come from Him. 
We will close with this passage in 2 Corinthians. It outlines our responsibility with the gospel, the good news of peace. 2 Corinthians 5, 18-21, it says, All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake he has made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. God the Father, through Jesus Christ, reconciled us to himself. Reconciliation brings peace. And he gave us the ministry of reconciliation. And he gives us the spiritual armor that includes the shoes of the gospel of peace, the good news of peace. So we're to be ambassadors, to implore those around us to be reconciled, to make peace with God through his one and only son, Jesus Christ, that we might become the righteousness of God. The only way that we can reach others for Christ is if we are walking in the Spirit and not in the flesh, and if we've fully clothed ourselves with the armor of God. There's been a lot of times I've been in situations, or if you've lived this life long at all, I know you've been uh, in conflict with other people. And there's been countless times where I know I've responded incorrectly and responded in anger or wrath, and it just becomes this escalation and gets... You know, they go up one, you go up one, and and it just gets worse and worse and worse. And there's been times when I've responded uncharacteristic of myself, not in the flesh, but in the spirit and in peace. And it changes the whole atmosphere. It changes the whole environment. And they don't know it. It's like they're taken off guard. It's like, wait, you were supposed to hit me back. When I hit you, you hit me, and (laughs) and then we get to go at it. That's the way that God is saying we're to take the message of Jesus Christ clothed with peace. Yes, we're ready for battle. Yes, we have these weapons of warfare. Yes, we're protected against attacks. But we're supposed to go everywhere in peace. First peace. The very first thing we talked about was about the truth. Unless the truth is there, we're going to do it all wrong. But even then we take the truth and love and peace. I just want to encourage you to be there for one person in your life. I think often we, we, we try to take this too far and be like, well, if I can't reach a thousand at once, it's not worth it. We're called to one person in one relationship. Take them peace and have the boldness to proclaim the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ and the peace that he gives us. Will you bow your head with me as we pray? Heavenly Father, I just thank you for your word. I thank you for your peace, for your life, for your word, for your truth, for your righteousness, for your faith. Everything that you give us, our salvation, faith, it all comes from you, Lord. Father, we admit this morning we have nothing 
to offer or bring ourselves, Father, but we come humbly to accept everything you have to give. Lord, that you would clothe us with your armor, that you would give us every fruit of the Spirit, Lord, that we might proclaim your gospel, your good news to the world around us, that you might give it to us that we'll have to give to others. But let your peace reign. Let it come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we know because of your word of truth, Lord, you said Jesus is going to come. The whole world is going to be in peace. No nation will ever learn war again. That's the truth. That's the victory that's been won. That is what's coming. That's what we have to look forward to. And that's the truth we live in, Father. Give us peace in every circumstance. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. 